Hey, just a heads up that the following content may be disturbing or triggering for some listeners and is not appropriate for children. Please take care of yourself and others who may be listening with you. Welcome to the Bonus Babies Podcast, a show that has no easy answers, only hard questions. Music saved my life as, as a kid, teenager, adult, fully. It, it gives me, it's never let me down. It's the way if I felt I couldn't express myself, I could express myself. And I could be fearless through that. And just listening to music as much as I did as a kid. And music connects people too, right? Like, you know, like we go to a concert and people are just really connected. I think it's so, so incredibly important to our development, just as a civilized society, you know, to have that ability to express in a different way. Conversations are hard. Music is actually a very good way to connect. And, um, help break those doors down. Can you tell me what you call the kids who you've cared for over the years? We feel that the children that we receive coming into our home are bonuses. So we call them bonus babies. I love that. This is your host, Jane Amelia Larson, and I'm Akasa, a court-appointed special advocate volunteer for youth in foster care. Yeah, I know it's a mouthful. In the same way Akasa works, I explore all things in the foster care maze by talking to kids, parents, caregivers, attorneys, social workers, therapists, really anybody and everybody who will speak to me to keep the conversation open and the information flowing about all things CASA. Hi, this is Jake Eberly, the producer of the Bonus Babies podcast, and today Jane Amelia speaks with Mike Whisker. Mike was adopted at a very early age and had a very supportive childhood in Saskatchewan, Canada. His parents adopted a baby girl, and then a couple of years later, he was adopted. They grew up just like siblings. He got into music at a very early age, and it was a very liberated form of expression. And today, music is his world. Here's Mike Whisker. Hey, I'm here with Mike Whisker. Hi. Do you you wish your name was Whiskey? You know, it kind of was whiskey when I was a kid. That's what they called me. Oh, really? That was your nickname? It's a name that's very easy to make lots of fun of all my life. Oh. So I actually for a long time wished it was something completely different. We can get into that. So please tell me about about yourself. How were you raised? Where are you from? I was raised in Saskatchewan in Canada. It's uh, one of the prairie provinces. It's right, right in the middle. It's the one that just looks like an apron. They just went, oh, let's just do a square. Right, it's just like like the flatlands, right? It is very, very flat where I'm from, in southern Saskatchewan, where I'm from. I'm pretty close to the American border, actually. It's very mm-hmm. flat. It's mostly farming, if not like, all farming. Saskatchewan has two, a couple, what we're, you know, what the biggest cities are, but they're only maybe 200, 250,000, maybe 300. So even the big cities are not that big. And so, yeah, where I grew up, it was only 16,000 people. Right, right. Small town. Small, small town, but considered a city in Saskatchewan. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 What was your family of origin or how were you, have you raised? I know you were adopted, but tell me about how, how that happened. My dad uh, is the youngest of five boys. So he was the last to get married in his family. Met my mom in high school and in this little town. And so they, they knew each other for a long time and um, got married when they were 20 and tried to have kids and found that they were having difficulties. They couldn't have kids. So they decided to adopt. And I don't think the process took 
too long then. It, it was a few years, which was excruciating for them. Um, but they adopted my sister first. She's two years older than me. And then um, I showed up two years later. And, um, yeah, we had a little family. So Right. So is this from the same area? or The same area. They had to go into Regina, which is the capital city of Saskatchewan, which is two and a half hours away. Um, so you're basically driving through nothing. That's for about two and a half hours. We actually make make note of a tree. If you see a tree, you actually like put your hands on the wow, it's like a tree. Wow. Yeah, it's, it really is like that. Um, That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, the adoptions were done in Regina. So, and they told me right right from you know as as, soon, as long as I can remember when they went to go get me at the hospital in Regina, and they were so happy to bring me home and. My sister was so happy to, to meet me, my, her little brother. So, yeah, it was never a, a news to me, uh, and it didn't really mean anything. It didn't come up in school or didn't come up, like, on holidays? or. My family never really – it wasn't like it was a secret, uh, but it wasn't really – it wasn't talked about. And there were plenty of kids on my street that I grew up on who were adopted as well. Oh, and, wow, that's cool. That's yeah, great. Yeah, not that I ever talked to those kids about being adopted ever – but <laughs> sort of the, not because it was uncomfortable. It's just your kids. You just are like, oh, okay. Like, oh, Carrie's adopted. Like you. But the feeling in the neighborhood was that if you were adopted, you were special. Like, like special in a good way. Yeah. Like, oh, this family. Oh, and they, they you know, who had five kids. Um, now this, the youngest girl is adopted. And it was like, oh. <laughs> it was oh. like so, Gosh, that's awesome. That's the way it should be. And I don't think it, it is yeah. all the time. Yeah, there was never a stigma to it. And all the kids in the neighborhood who were adopted knew they were adopted. I only had one friend who I did not know was adopted who found out in high school. And it was a very bad reaction. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they told him, like, in grade 12. And he did not take it well. I, I, I really felt bad for him. Yeah, that, that's right. To find out everything's not what you thought, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind knowing that my sister wasn't my genetic sister. You know mm -hmm. what? She was still my sister. We still fought and we still, like, you know, threw things at each other and we still had fun. It, it just didn't make any difference at all. I mean, I, I physically look very different from my family. Um, and that was kind of cute, sort of. Like, I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. It was me, this tall... Blonde kid with these little meatballs. <laughs> well, you, that, I can see because you're well. Now you you aren't saying this out loud, but you're a pretty handsome guy. So maybe oh, it, maybe it was like, oh, uh, I'm better looking than them, and yay on me, like that I, kind of thing. I was very shy as a kid. I was a little blonde thing. And I was very mm. shy. I was just like attached to my dad's leg all the time. Um, mm. I shot up. Like, yeah, when I was 12, you know, you hit puberty and you get real big. But I, I didn't have any awareness of looking any different in that way. I, I was in bands and I thought, oh, everybody likes me because I'm in bands. I'm a hmm. singer and I could yeah. play, play guitar yeah. and, you know, that saved my life through the whole thing. So, oh, oh okay. All right. So, yeah. that's cool too because it always helps if you have like a superpower or a special skill or well, any of that. Yeah, superpower. Oh, and I, I don't know if I've, I think I have mentioned this this to you before. Um, being adopted was nothing compared to holding the secret that I was gay, which I figured out very young and thought, oh, I'm not really their kid, 
So I can never let anyone know this because it would be a reason to like get rid of me, like to just disconnect from me somehow. But I think every every gay kid, well, not everyone must speak for everybody, but has that fear uh, of abandonment if the family finds that's out. Right. You know, that's and it's right. all Saskatchewan. And, you know, I got to say this too. I, I didn't really experience any homophobia, not towards myself or even like towards other people where I grew up. And this was the early 70s. It just mm-hmm. wasn't something think people thought about, I don't think. Like it was But you still kept it a secret or you didn't feel a need to keep it a secret. You just didn't have it out. I felt a need to keep it a secret because I thought if they're not happy with it, because I'm not a genetic kid, they could just like dismiss right, it. Right, right. That's what you said. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. um it was it would have been in a small town, I didn't know any other gay kids. So uh, I felt and like did you know you were gay or did you just know it was oh no I knew I was gay yeah you you <laughs> oh, yeah. like oh, right yeah. you had the words and you knew right oh, I had the I had the words by the time I was like 12 or 13. yeah wow really? it wasn't okay. because of TV or anything I just I just knew like I just, you just knew yeah yeah so do you think they knew they did not hmm. <laughs> when I came out when I was 18 uh because I was off at school and I was like, okay, they can't kick me out of the house because I'm already out of the house. Yeah. And you were like, oh, no idea. No idea. No idea. My right. dad was like, oh, okay. <laughs> How about your sister? Did she know? I took my sister out. We had a cabin at a lake. Um, and I took her out in the paddle boat in the middle of the lake. And I said, so this friend is coming to visit next week. That's actually my boyfriend. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But that was about it. I think I think it was harder for my mom and my sister because they had ideas about what my kids are going to look like and what my wife is going to look like. And yeah. I just didn't really yeah. think about that stuff. It was just like, oh, we'll be happy. They knew I was pursuing music. They were very happy for me to be pursuing music. And I was doing pretty well. So they they were like, oh, just, you know. But, yeah, I kind I kind of crushed some expectations there. Mm. Um, it, it took them a while to get used to it, but it wasn't like a homophobic thing in the, oh, you're twisted or whatever. I think it, it just was sort of, oh, they had to readjust their dreams about what my life was going to be. You know? Right. Well, and I remember you saying that you were like pretty happy when you were growing up. You felt, you felt, felt loved and wanted and all yeah. that, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it's... It, if you can grow up in a family that doesn't have any money and not know you don't have any money, yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yep. You know, yeah, that is good. You know, we didn't have a lot of stuff or anything, but I, I didn't feel like I needed anything. I remember my mom telling me this story. I went to the dentist, with, and I do remember doing this. And she said, "Oh, you were so good. You had a tooth pulled, and you didn't cry, and you were really good." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And she goes, "Let's go get you a toy." And I was like, oh, "I don't want anything." And she's like. We're gonna go get you a toy, and she just had all this trouble. <laughs> Do you want persuading these? you to accept something? Yeah, I just was like, oh, I don't need anything. I have like stuff at home. I don't. I don't know what it was. All right, I'm curious now. So, is that just your temperament? You think, or you learned that? Mm-hmm. I, I, huh. I, mean, I got to be honest. I am kind of that way as an adult as well. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, it's very easy. That's nice. A lot of people, well, like, no matter how much they have or, or get, it's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. We just weren't like that. And I, the whole family's not like that. Like, the whole extended family is just, we're just not like that. 
So it sounds very Canadian, you know. It's I think it's very Canadian. I think of the prairies. To an American, it sounds really Canadian. Like I tell people, you know, it's minus. This is Celsius, but it's like minus uh, forty-five in the winter and plus forty-five in the summer. Like it's excruciatingly hot and then excruciatingly cold. I said people are there. They're not there because it's a great time. You know, it's it's. People who got farms because they fought in the war and now they got parcels of land or or they were desperate immigrants and they came out and they settled this really rough territory. And so the spirit is sort of community and helping each other. It's not about getting ahead because, well, where are you going to go if you have a bigger house on the same flat land? Like it's just we don't have that mentality where I, where I grew up anyway. I mean, that might have changed. I left in 1983, so. Right. But, you know, we need a little more of that in Los Angeles, I have to say. Yeah, I'm not sure how that could be fostered in a city that really does offer the dreams, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're there, you you can do it. It's there. So yeah. You, where where I grew up, it's that's not what it's about. You you want to get through this winter. <laughs> like, right. So as a child, did you know kids that were being fostered? Did you have any sense of that? No. I mean, the closest I got, we did have neighbors who, who referred to their son, Kevin, as a foster child. Um, I see. And I didn't quite understand that. I, would, I assumed it was the same as being adopted. Because fostering to me felt like he was there temporarily. I, I just, yeah, that, that, that was my understanding of the word when I was a child. Um, mm. So this is a sad story, <laughs> Uh, he and his, uh, the foster, foster child, they, they, there was a car accident and we lost two of the kids from that family in that car accident while they were what? still young. So I never really wow. got to see their lives play out or find out what, what anything about how he felt about that. Um, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. yeah, I did know just a lot of adopted kids, but fostering, I don't think really happened a lot in my town. I know in the city where I was adopted from in Regina, people were fostering kids all the time. Right, right. When I was born and I was put into like a foster situation, but only for a few months. And I don't know if that could have carried on had there not been someone there to adopt me right away. So. Well, you were baby, you know, and babies are very adoptable. You know, the, the real problem now is, is finding a home for young boys, even a foster home. Right. Yeah, we didn't, and because of the low population, and we just, we just didn't see that happening. Yeah, that's a yeah. blessing, really. Really. So, I know that things changed for you regarding your family and what you learned. Can you tell me a little bit about that? What? How did you find where you're from? Okay, this. Um, I always was curious. And um, every time I brought it up with my mom, the tears would come. So, Lori, oh, mm -hmm. love you, and you're our, and I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. We don't talk about this, you know. Really? Oh, really? Especially yeah. as I got older, she just. However, uh, about let's say I guess it was 2016. Yeah, it was early 2016. I was back in Saskatchewan visiting, and my mother told me that the laws had changed. The law used to say that if you gave up a, a baby, that baby had no way to find you, and it was illegal for you to even attempt to find that child. Illegal? Really? Wow. Illegal. Wow. You cannot do yeah. it. You cannot disrupt this child's life. 
Right, so a closed um, adoption, right. Yeah, yep. on both and ends. Mm -hmm. So suddenly in 2016, the government said, okay, we've had a lot of requests for this and people are saying it's kind of inhumane to disallow people to do a search. So they actually helped and brought out the records and helped people connect. They And they were the go-between. So they made the calls and um, my mom came to me and she goes, um, so the government changed the laws and you can now search for your family if you want. And I went, oh, it made me very uncomfortable. I was like, she's going to start crying. <laughs> she didn't. Right, because you were a grown-ass man by this time. I was a grown-ass um, man. I was in my 50s. And oh, um, yeah. okay. I uh, said, well, if this is with your blessing, and she goes, yeah. Yeah, she goes, I'll help you, uh, help, you help connect. So we filled out the forms together. And um, mm -hmm. within six months, they had found my mom, my birth mother, and uh, said, okay, we found her. She's healthy. She's, oh, that was the other thing. My mom said, you know, I, I feel like I have not, that I blocked you from doing this for so long. And she said, you know, your dad and I are in, in our 80s, so I don't want to keep you. I'm hoping she hasn't passed away. Like I... And she apologized for keeping me from, from looking. I said, okay, well, I'll get well, there. Because, yeah, because I didn't yeah. really know how old she was. She, she could have been gone. But, yeah, they found her. And they reached out and uh, just a phone call. And uh, apparently, <laughs> her name's Adina. She was sitting at the table with her son, Jay. And she picked up. And they go, hi, this is the government of Saskatchewan. And she's in Ontario now. For oh, my gosh. <laughs> and has told no one that she had a baby when she was young. And there was no prep for this for her. They just make a call. Yeah. Yeah. So she wakes up. They're like, this is the government of Saskatchewan. And she says, well, why would I? Oh, hold on. Oh. <laughs> she left the room. She wow. Goes, baby. And they're like, yeah. And she's like, okay. Uh, uh. They said, he's open to search. He's open to meeting if you would like. Dave could send her my information and if she wanted, she could reciprocate and send her information and we could connect. And then they would give each other's phone numbers if we still wanted to connect. And she said, okay, I need to think about this for a few weeks and make some phone calls. Well, she called them back in 10 minutes and said, yeah, let's do it. So, ah, ah. yeah. So how did your adoptive mom feel about that? I think she was happy for me, but yeah, she had trouble with it. Um, I think for her, they tried so hard to have kids for so long, and then they finally got us. And we we really were trouble free kids. I'm gonna blow. Yeah, she, she, they won the lottery. They probably they really were <laughs> and still are. So um, <laughs> she, I don't know why she just felt like, oh, we're gonna lose you, and you're just gonna go to your family. Like it's. Even at, as a grown man, after all the love you've shared between you, yeah. there was part of her that was afraid somehow you were going to turn away from her. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, thanks, you guys. I found him. So Yeah, I found the real mom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow um, that, and, you know, I, I, we did connect. We talked on the phone. We talked forever. We um, felt yeah. like talking to a friend. Really? So, like, immediately there was a connection? Immediately. 
immediately. Yeah. You didn't eat. It wasn't like that awkwardness and, uh, no. I don't know if I'm going to like you and, uh, why did you do that? No, no, no. Wow. it was like straight into it. So you didn't feel abandoned. That's the thing. A lot of kids feel abandoned, but you, you don't have that. Do you? I had a brief phase of it around actually post this, uh, they did reach out to find my father, my oh, father, yeah. who denied any of it ever happened. Despite he him, was a player, he, right? He was a player. Yeah. So a- after finding my biological mother, they said, okay. And we could, Adina and I connected and we chatted. And um, then they said, do you want us to go ahead and try to find your dad? And, and by now Adina's told me my father's name and a little bit about him and what happened. And, um, she was very young. He was, uh, a traveling fur salesman. He also, Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. Great. Was, he played guitar and sang like she was like hook line and sinker. She was just, so you got it honest from your dad. Uh huh. I guess so. I, and I am the only person in my family who is a musician who has that. Yeah. He, that. You got it from your dad. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff I'm glad I didn't get from my dad or I hope I didn't. He, um, Denied the whole thing. Um, on the paperwork that I received, he'd been into the adoption agency with girls more than a few times. So, right, he I, had a yeah, history. Tell Adina that you know she wasn't the only one that he'd gotten in trouble. So you knew that, but Adina didn't. I knew, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, that's not good information to share. Probably no. They used the word "cad" in his description. In the paperwork, cad. Wow, this fellow's been in here before. He's a cad. He's gotten all these girls in trouble. Oh my god! Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did say he was very charming, though. Yeah, charming, good looking, probably tall and blonde. He was tall and blonde and a musician. Musician. Okay. Um, and he was just meeting pretty girl after pretty girl after pretty girl on the road, selling them fur coats. Yeah. Right. So the family did not like him. I have I have met aunts and uncles from uh, Adina's side, and they were mm-hmm. like, mm, "He wasn't a good guy. He was, you know." Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, he denied the whole thing. Said I kind of remember her, but I don't think he wasn't interested. So I had a bit of a angry moment around that. I could not fathom someone being like that. You know, it's not a child looking for you for support. This is an adult just wanting to answer some questions and maybe whatever. Yeah, just learn. Yeah, just learn about him or learn more about yourself maybe, yeah. right? Yeah, what what happened there? And uh, You know, I'm not blaming. I'm not out for anything. I just wanted to close that chapter, get some closure, right? And- yeah, but I, think, I would imagine that probably he'd been lying to himself for so long that he didn't want to have it any other way yeah and he probably had a number of kids trying to find him especially as the law had changed and that's right you right there might have been a handful of them yeah wow i did have a moment of you know my ego got in there and i was like okay you don't know what you're you have a son like a grown son who's fine like in spite of you right in spite of you and all the stuff you did you know but no, he didn't want any contact whatsoever. And I, I was fine with it. 
So, so you, you were never able to make a connection with him? No, no. I oh, mean, when he yeah. rejected, when he pretended he didn't really remember my biological mom, I, I was like, okay, you're a terrible person. You know what? Let's, when this drops on the podcast, let's send it to him. <laughs> I, well, let's see. This was 2016. He might still be alive. He would definitely be well into his 80s by now. So. Yeah, but that might be the time where he'll say, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't know why I've lied all these years. So uh, a few weeks ago, we were set to record, and unfortunately, yeah. you heard some horrible news. So can, can you tell me about that? What happened? So there were some strange coincidences with meeting Adina. Um, Adina's heritage and my, my mother's heritage, both Norwegian, both prairie ladies, I cannot tell their handwriting apart. Everyone knows their mother's handwriting. They have identical wow. handwriting. They both wow. were smokers, and unfortunately... On top of all these lovely things, they both, my mothers, have COPD. <gasps> yeah. So um, Adina was, was worse than my mom. My mom got some help with hers quite a while ago. But I just thought, oh, my God, they're almost the same person. <laughs> like, it was very strange, which is maybe why I felt so, like, immediately could talk to Adina. Like, immediately. And last fall, so because of COVID, of course, there was no visiting and these are seniors, so there's really no visiting. Um, yeah, yeah, really. So I had planned a trip out there for this June. And in December of last year, Adina's lungs started uh, giving out. They were The sacs were big. She wasn't getting any capacity, problems with capacity. Really. And um, she was put into a facility to help her with that. And it looked like things were going to be fine. And even speaking with my uh half siblings they were like oh you know my brother was like oh she's got like 10 years my sister was like maybe a couple years and my auntie was like six months tops and so i kind of went into the denial phase and thought oh 10 years and then very quickly uh about a month ago her lungs just came out and they had to put her in a machine and a lot of painkillers and i facetimed with her once um and she was very loopy uh, we used to text a lot. She couldn't text anymore. Mm-hmm. And she didn't really want me to see her like that, but she said she allowed this one FaceTime because she kind of knew she wasn't going to last. And, um, yeah, passed away moments before we were to start the, the podcast. She turned 80 on Monday and passed away on Wednesday. Yeah. And, and really her, her birthday is the same day as my sister's and my nephew's. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that, forget her birthday um and yeah uh so i wasn't able to see her for almost four years so you never were able to meet her in person i'm okay this is she has a sister who lives out here in vancouver Uh, uh and so whom she would visit regularly she would come out at least twice a year. And I used to go to Toronto quite a bit for work. So I, we actually saw each other quite a bit there, but for only maybe three years. I see. Um, I see. And I'm still yeah. very close with her sister here, Lois. Um, so we decided to meet and we're going to go back in time a little bit. 2017. She's here. We're going to meet. She's an elderly lady who doesn't know Vancouver that well. <laughs> she says, let's meet at this specific restaurant in Coquitlam. 
which is a suburb. I said, okay, I know exactly the one. It's like an hour away. I get out there. She's not there. And I'm texting her. I'm like, okay, I'm in the restaurant. She goes, okay, me too. I'm like, I'm at the doorway. I don't see you. She, I said, well, where are you sitting? She goes, okay, well, walk right. I go, right. She goes, I'm two tables in. And it's this table, this man and this woman with their kids. And I said, okay, something's really wrong. And we're both panicking now, right? We, we're like, we're, this is how we're going to meet. And yeah, yeah. You well, have all this anticipation, right? Yeah. And she doesn't really know how to use her cell phone very well. So, like, the communication right. was all garbled. I said, can you ask the waitress what the address of that restaurant is? She goes, yes. she goes, oh, it's Burnaby, not Coquit, a whole different city. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm like, how could this happen? Oh, no. So I said, I will get there. I will be there. It's going to be like at Just least wait, three minutes. Wait. Yeah. yeah. And I got there and I walked in and she was sitting there. And the funny thing is when I was late, she called her sister and said, He's just like his father. <gasps> oh, he's late. Oh. <laughs> so I show up and I walk in, and she did say, "You're, you're red like your dad. Your chest." She goes, "Your, mm -hmm, your dad mm -hmm. had a red chest." <laughs> mm -hmm. That's really funny. So you have this whole extended family now that you wouldn't have had. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's, there's lots of them now that I'm thinking about it. Jane, when you've never seen someone who looks like you, yeah, I felt like my feet touched the ground for the first time in my life. Makes me a little emotional right there. Um, you know, even even though growing up it was very welcoming and and it was a great family, but you kind of always feel extra. You're like the little balloon that someone's carrying, you know, mm -hmm. and they love that balloon. Right, this balloon's going everywhere with us, but you don't feel everyone else has their, their you know, they're collected and they're, you know. And then I saw my family, and especially when I saw my auntie, I almost looked exactly like her, except for the mustache. And I saw my brother who does <laughs> all this, and mm -hmm. everybody said, "Don't." When I met Jay, everybody said, "Jay's not a hugger," you know. He's like, mm -hmm. and grouchy, and he's really quiet. We walked in the room, we looked at each other and we just slowly walked over and we just like hugged for like 10 minutes and the whole room cleared and this little <laughs> they couldn't believe wow. somebody. Wow. And you know, he, he too, like Jay lost his father when he was 13. And so he kind of was the only boy and he, he was just kind of devastated. And um, he didn't know he had a big brother. And I think this was a really big moment for him. And it was certainly a really big moment for me too. And uh, the sense of belonging, not only just to a family, but like here. Yeah, like in space, in the world. In, in like, the world, I, yeah. like I have roots now, even, yeah. even though you felt loved and wanted and you love your, your adoptive family. Yeah. This is a whole new thing opening up for you. Absolutely. And I felt um, this sense of history, even though it was an odd history, it was still my history. Like I know my history now. Yeah. This family, then it's Adina had a baby and then, you know, I went with this family, but like it, now there was a line which ended actually began at my birth. Like what, what's the rest of it? How did I get like, even though I, I never like, I would not want to sit and ruminate about that kind of thing, but to have those questions answered, 
changed everything. It just changed how I move about in the world. I feel like I belong here. I am here. I have rights. And my people pleasing went out the window. I used to be a terrible people pleaser. Gone. Really? So that, that changed because of this. Wow. Yeah. 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 I think it's so important to allow people to understand their history, even if it's terrible. You know, my, my mother was heartbroken by this man. He, you know, they, they held on to me for a few weeks. He was hoping they would get married and he just like vanished. And I'm like, Oh God, like the original ghoster, right? Like with a baby, I just was, I'm so angry with that man, but she had a wonderful life. Anyway, she had a couple more kids, has a really wonderful family. I, I was able to give her some closure. You know, for sure she wondered about that baby all her life. Yeah, she must have uh, longed for you. She remembered a lot about it. Was, and it, that was what was weird, too. She remembered me, but, of course, I didn't remember her. She remembered you know, mm-hmm. one weird finger that doesn't have a knuckle in it. Like, she remembers things like that, right? Like, as a baby, because you always have your hands like this. I have my one knuckle. Mm-hmm. And just, like, she knew me. And I was like, oh, my God, this is somebody who, like, knew me then. Like, had that bond with me for nine months or ten months for as long as she tried to keep keep me, you know. And it made me feel like I belonged here. And I had never felt that before. I always knew I was welcome here, but I didn't know I belonged here. It was a big change. Interesting distinction, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But, I, gosh, what a gift for her that must have been, too. Yeah, she, I, um, I sent my brother a note after she passed away, and I said, "I'm so grateful that, uh, that I was able to have these few years with her and, and meet you guys." And, and he said, "Yeah, you know, Mike, she was really grateful too. It really was uh, some closure for her around that, and and she carried it as a secret. You know, she didn't want to tell her kids because she thought, I don't want to." burden them with knowing they have a brother out there you know what they're just gonna have this mystery hanging around them and not be able to ever figure it out so yeah so i was a very big surprise for them but a good good surprise too which is so great a really my sister <laughs> said to me, the day we met the day i went out and i met my half siblings for the first time she's like you know today was just a tester and i said oh, I, I had to get it she goes just to see if you're a dud she goes well now i can i can introduce you to my friends <laughs> Wow, that's funny. That's great. Well, nothing like honesty. <laughs> okay, so there's been nothing from the dad's side. You have you no. met any of his side of the family or anything? You just figured nothing. If he didn't claim you're like, you know what? I, 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 he's a jerk. I'm not going there. He from the stories from my mom's family because they did know of him. They knew how head over heels she was, and they really disliked him. And I think they're being very kind with their words. I think they're being very gentle with their words. They really dislike them. I see. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to. I would like to see him. I would like to, like, you know, see him across, you know, at a, at a bar or a restaurant or something. Just go, that's the guy. And that's it. I don't think I want any contact. He sounds toxic. And uh, I, I'm fine with leaving that alone. I'm perfectly fine with not inviting anything like that into my life. So, so ha- have you had any kids? No, no, no. 
Would and you have. haven't fostered? Yeah, yeah, you would have if if you had found the right partner. You think you would have had kids? I, have, I think if the timing had been right, I would have. I would have wanted them in my maybe late twenties, thirties. But I'm sixty next year, and I mean the laws only changed a little while ago. And I, I you know, I was in my twenties and thirties during like the AIDS crisis. So yeah, it's a tough time. Wow. Not, you know, marriage was not legal. There was a lot yeah. of animosity towards the community, and and it was a, it was a survival game for a couple decades there, and a lot of people were not out. It was very rare to find a partner who was outside of like the protected community in a in a large city, to, you know, to go out anywhere. Who felt really comfortable being out? Yeah, the whole thing just wasn't going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not bitter about it. I mean, that was just what we were going through at. The the time. I mean, by the time I, I found a partner who would have wanted to, <laughs> I was in my late forties. I'm like, oh, she's like, nah, I'm too tired now. I'm not doing it. Just, by then my nephews, my sisters had uh, kids by then my nephews were having kids and I knew wow. I didn't have the energy because when my nephews were little kids, Oh yeah, I was daddy of the year, but then they had kids and I'm like, no, I'm just grandpa. I'm like, I'm yeah, just I don't can, have the energy. I, I'll hang out for three hours and then I'll give you back. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I do believe this is yours. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it needs to be changed. Yeah. And I love those kids, but but yeah, they wear me out. So, and it's of course it's ironic as well because at this age you're taking care of elderly parents who are basically little kids again. So yes. Yeah. 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 So you can't win. You know, so I, I, in, in my own way, I do have sort of kids right now. I'm taking care of my mom. Yeah, well, I, I, I asked because I think you'd probably have been a great dad. I would have loved to, be, to have been a dad. Yeah. Yeah, so you're not like your bio dad that way, which is great. You're probably like your adoptive dad. Yeah, way. he wanted to make kids. I would. I wanted to raise them. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I didn't necessarily want to make them. <laughs> Yeah, and I, sometimes I'm kicking myself because in my 20s, I, I did meet a few women who wanted to have a kid but not get married, right? Like they were like, this would be so easy, Mike. Why don't we have a kid? That kind of thing. And I think about it now, and I'm like, oh, God, I would have had a kid who's like 36 years old right now and probably be a grandpa. But, again, different time. And Well, I'm just curious. Did, was there ever a time when you slept with women? No. Not at all. So there's not a chance there's one out there. No. Because <laughs> I think that's always great about men. I mean, even men pretty responsible. Yeah. They, if they sleep with a lot of women or just some women, even a handful, right. Right. women don't often tell the truth, you know? So there's, yeah. I mean, I have friends who found out later that they have other, they have kids they didn't know about that they would have wanted to know about. But I've heard of that happening too. Yeah, um, yeah, I actually know a few women who were like, "No, I'm not telling." I'm not telling. Yeah, I I don't want him in my life. I want the kid, but I don't want him. Well, in that way, that's a whole other debate, right? Like, who really? Uh, I know. You know, is in charge of that kid? Like, can I know. you? Isn't that a little bit like kidnapping? Because that a little bit. Kid, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Like, it's like, I'm just going to take this one part of you that yeah. you don't know I have. Like if the man did it. And goodbye. And I don't want you. The, the mother, like, it just wouldn't happen. 
I mean, I understand it happening. Like you got pregnant, you can go away. You can secretly have a kid. But yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, no, that, that window's closed for me. But just like working in education for kids uh, in primary schools, plugs me into a kid's mind. And I'm I, when I before COVID, I was around a lot of kids and, and working with them kids. And I and I was like, okay, this is this is my fathering as far as yeah. this, this is my input as far as that need in me to do that. So yeah, I don't feel like I missed out because I feel like I'm still actually quite involved in um, children's development. So that's good. That's really important. That's really important. Yeah, it's it's very satisfying work. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up thinking, oh, I'm going to be like a rock star or something. Like, I just wanted to be a, playing rock music. Of course. Of course. Uh, which of course. then went into theater and then some TV stuff. And and then sort of came back around to, like, education for kids through through songs. And um, so much more satisfying than any of the other work I've ever done, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what is all that? You know, it's not you're not giving back. You're not creating something that's going to, you know, live on and be helpful, you know? So, I mean, that's just me personally feeling that way. Yeah. Anybody can do what they want, but like, yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's so wonderful when you see that you make a connection with a kid and you bring something out in them or you help them discover something about themselves. Yeah. And, you know, music saved my life as, as a kid, teenager, adult, fully. It, it gives me, it's never let me down. It's the way if I felt I couldn't express myself, I could express myself and I could be fearless through that. And just listening to music as much as I did as a kid. And music connects people too, right? Like, you know, like we go to a concert and people are just really connected. I think it's so, so incredibly important to our development just as a civilized society, you know, to have that ability to express in a different way conversations are hard music is actually a very good way to connect and um help break those doors down so no i don't i don't regret any any part of it It, even the really difficult parts you know trying to get work as a musician or trying to get work as a gay musician because yeah it's hard to be an artist for sure yeah yeah i was i was out way too early (laughs) like i i i don't know where my confidence came from but like I was searching for a record deal in 1990 and I was not in the closet, but <laughs> uh, you know, and yep. it's just not a thing. Like they were like, we love you, but we don't know what to do with you. Like, could you shut up about that? And I'm like, well, it's not like I talk about it all the time, but I'm like, I'm not going to, but it's part of me. Right. Yeah. This person when I actually have a partner of four years, you know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. 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 Wow. You know, but I stuck, I stuck to who I am and you know, yeah, maybe it was tougher, but it's tough for everybody. Uh, that business and um, yeah no I and I was very very happy to have timed the meaning of my biological mother with me getting through the worst of those struggles and being on my feet and saying hey look what you did <laughs> like I'm, I'm okay mom yeah, yeah I'm okay if I'd met her 10 yeah. years earlier or I was still struggling or I was angry or hurt or whatever um yeah, so no, the timing was very, very good for that. See, that was my so, pleasing. Do you see that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I get it. So I want to ask you one last thing that I ask all my guests. Sure. And 
What is the one thing that no one would ever know about you unless you told them? Oh, well, this is quite personal, but I'm not ashamed of it. Um, but I think that when people know me, even if they've known me for a long time, they would never guess how much I've struggled with depression. Ah. Um, and I've, you know, had lots of therapy around it and I'll get through episodes of it, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm a pretty energetic, outgoing person. Yeah, no one would ever guess that I. I would never have guessed that. Struggling. Just in in really all my interactions so far, there's there has been nothing that would suggest that's part of you. In fact, I think you were really kind of just rolling with the punches. Yeah. Uh, well, the yeah, I was embarrassed that the punches would get me down at all because I do come from an area where certainly didn't talk about depression. I didn't think even use the word depression. It was just, you know, my life's hard and you keep going. And so I had that mentality. And so when things were hard and things were hard, you know, the AIDS crisis, my first partner died. Like it just, uh. you know, that's a lot for a kid and, um, and getting into the music industry and then the whole, you know, it just, it has been very, very tough. And there were, were multiple periods. It's, it's only because there have been multiple periods where the depression got really severe. But yeah, like I wouldn't, I have not, I would not tell my biological family that I suffer from depression. You mean, so it's almost like not quite shameful, but too, too much for them to know. It would be too much. And I think they don't understand what it is. I, I've told my sister, um, but it's, yeah, we'll just cheer up. I mean, I don't want to hear that, right? <laughs> like, I know. Isn't it funny how people are like that? They're like, yeah. well, just do something nice for yourself, and then yeah. you'll feel better. Yeah. Go shopping. No, that doesn't really do it. No, no. And it's not, it's not, it's on this, and I, I can sometimes think, oh, God, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, like, it's on this existential level. Like, I want to know everything, and there are no answers. And so the, the lack of answers makes me deeply sad and confused and not knowing which way to go and have I done the right things in my life. And then I, but now I'm again, like I said, I'm turning 60 next year and I look back and I'm like, yeah, I did all the right things in my life for me. There's no way that could have been better. You know, it, it, it just was what it was and very difficult at, at many times. I don't know what it, it, I, I look at, okay, <laughs> I'm going to bring this around to like genetics again. My biological mom is so adventurous <laughs> and I just like got in a truck and moved to Montreal. I didn't speak French. And then uh, a guy I was dating at the time said, Oh, they want to send me to Japan. I was like, let's go to Japan. So we went and lived in Japan for six years. Well, him for two and a half. I, I, I stayed, you know, and it was crazy. Like, just what are you doing? And then I moved to Vancouver and then I bought a place. Like, it, it, it's just this, and it wasn't impulsive. That sounds really impulsive, but I was definitely planning, but just the, the adventure of it, you know, which is why I can look back at my life and say, no, no, I did. All those things were crazy and they were very, very difficult, especially the first year, but you did it and you're not going to regret it, you know, like at all. So, yeah. I mean, I could look back and say, oh, I regret that I didn't have kids. But that circumstance just didn't show up, and it just wasn't, you know, like it just. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you, that was the right thing. Yeah. And also, I, you know, when I, when I do think about, okay, 
daddy would have been unable to get out of bed in a couple of days. You know, like when I think of that, I'm like, I don't want to play kid through that. <laughs> you know, wouldn't even want to put it. Yeah, on. that's a good point. That's a really good point because kids need to. Yeah, I want yeah. to handle on that. And I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I've never really gotten a handle on it. It's, it's something that creeps in, but still here. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's probably always going to be there a little bit. And, yeah. and you've, you've learned how to live through it, right? Yeah. And every time it comes, I can now reference like four other times, you know, and I can be like, mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. this? you know, this is just for now. And I know right now you feel like you can't even find the energy to eat, but, and it doesn't happen so often that, that people would even really, you know, I can hide it. I can be like, well, I'm going to be unavailable for a couple of days or whatever. Oh yeah. Say, so, yeah, I'm just really busy for yeah, I, a bit. Really busy is a good one. Yeah. Wow. So you just flat out lie about it. Too. I lie yeah. About it. Yeah, 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 you have to, because yeah. otherwise people, people want to get in you, right? When it first started happening, which was in my teens, actually, you know, of course you're living at home and you're, and my mom was like, oh, you think too much and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but I just don't, like, it would be this, oh, this bleak, I can't, I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, not helpful. And I, I learned that people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unless it's a professional, they're not going to be helpful, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So now everyone knows. Now every well, everyone will know pretty well, soon. I, and I don't think, and I th actually think it, it is important. To, like I have talked to people closest, closest to me. Again, not not family members so much because I, you can't really talk to people who are invested in your recovery because they're gonna like yes. just want you to be better, right? Yes. So you know, I do have the people that I can talk to about it. And you just you just keep going. You know, you just, yeah, try not to indulge in you know, things. And, yeah. It's really interesting to be, I'm sorry the audience can't see you right now because the, the way that your shades are, oh, the yeah. light is hitting your face, it's super cool. <laughs> you, you look like, I, I don't know, you look like a piece of art <laughs> because it's, that's like, there's these waves of light going through you. Yeah, I just noticed that this, the sun has come to this point where it's, it's like... It's really great. It's great. Listen, I appreciate you being so forthcoming, being open to this, even uh, from the get-go. It's great to talk about this stuff. And it's so lovely to meet you. Is there anything else you want to say? I feel like you might have something else. Um, just that it was really, really, really important uh, for me to be able to answer the questions in my life about my family, even though some of them were really tough. And I think the main thing that I really wanted to share was just how knowing my own history helped me really be present in my own life again, not even again for the first time. So none of it's super easy, but man, uh, just the knowledge and the new connections, knowing where you're from, it's, it's so important. And I did not understand that before. You know, when people talk about, their roots and their family histories. I had no idea what that felt like. I was, and I was a little envious and now I know, and I get it. And I'm a, I'm here. Like, I feel like I've, I exist. I have a right to be here and yeah, everything changed. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, you have a good evening. Okay. Thanks, Jane. You too. Thank you, Mike for sharing your story with us. It's really incredible how your community looked at adopting kids like something that was cool. 
And because of that, there isn't any social stigma around foster youth as a whole. We could really stand to learn that kind of thinking here. That whole idea really leans on the phrase, it takes a village. What we need to do is change our cultural narrative to support those villages. So thank you, Mike. Next week, Jane Amelia speaks with Charity Chandler Cole. Charity is the CEO of CASA of Los Angeles. For those of you who don't know, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate, and she's all about racial justice, social justice, education, and child and family well-being. Charity spent time in foster care and also in the juvenile justice system as a vulnerable teen and believes strongly in changing the narrative and outcomes surrounding system-impacted individuals. She's also an author and wrote Stranger Danger, her new book about her traumatic teenage years. So join us next week for Charity Chandler Cole. Thank you for listening and be well. If you see something, say something. If you suspect a child's health or safety is jeopardized in any way by parents or anyone else, Contact the Child Protective Services Agency in your county. 24-hour hotlines are staffed by trained social workers who will help you through the process, and you can do so anonymously. In California, you can call the Child Protection Hotline at 800-540-4000. So if you see something, say something. You might be saving a child's life. If you want to know more about becoming a CASA anywhere in the country, go to nationalcasagal.org. And in L.A., casala.org. And if you want to know more about becoming a foster parent, check out the National Foster Parent Association at nfponline.org. There's also faithfosterfamilies.org and adoptuskids.org. There's tons of other information online as well, so you can just hunt around. We also want to thank the supremely talented Christina Apostolopoulos for her beautiful original music. You can find her music on Spotify or Instagram at Christina Aposta. And also thank you to Yukon Har for his engineering. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear and you find it as valuable as we do, please rate us and hit subscribe. You can also make a donation at bonusbabies.org. See you next time.